0: Chris, the rare Saturday morning recording of the Dad Joke Loading podcast. How are you this morning?
1: Mm, I'm excellent. Um, I, I was really looking forward to this recording. One thing has changed in this recording for me, um, which uh, which is that I have a, a cup of something, but instead of it being a, a nice uh, imbibing um, beverage here, it's just a cup of coffee. Just a sweet, warm cup of coffee. One thing has not changed uh, for this Saturday morning uh, recording, and that's that I'm still wearing a housecoat. So, you know, so some things never change. The house
0: coat has been part of your recording uh, motif really since the beginning, I think. Well, at least since you're uh, you've moved into your office, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I I um, never used to wear a house coat, but you know what? I can really get behind this. It's kind of like a snuggie. It's it's really nice. You know, I had a really busy work week this week. This weekend I have to work on uh, a thesis for For part of my uh, specialization so a lot of typing Um, but uh, this morning I got the Premier League on got the cup of coffee a housecoat and my best friend over the internet what a beautiful way to start a Saturday Christian
0: I do have a question for you though which is do you really feel like you get a Saturday anymore
1: (laughs) yeah not absolutely not in the way that I the way that I grew up loving Saturdays no I mean it's changed hasn't it you know yeah so let me ask you a question. When What is your typical Saturday?
0: If I'm not working, um, then typically uh, when the kiddo gets up, you know, we all get up, of course, and um, either my wife or myself will make breakfast of some kind. Sometimes if we're feeling particularly lazy, that's a drive to Tim Hortons. Um, or it's a, you know, making, you know, breakfast, putting a pot of coffee on that type of thing, Um, our daughter loves to kind of snuggle up on the couch and have a little kind of pre-breakfast snack when she gets up. It's very hilariously adorable. Adorable. Yeah, it's very adorable. (laughs) Um, uh, but it's really funny because now she comes, you know, down the stairs, you know, one of us carries her down and, and right away it's like, you know, daddy, get me snacky. And it's just (laughs) like, it's just like. I think sorry, it's pronounced "good morning," <laughs> uh, but uh, "I
1: love you" would yeah. be no. It's not pronounced "pancake." It's yeah. "I love you," <laughs>
0: um, and then it's just—I mean, then it's just immediately into obviously parenting and the massive to-do list um, that exists. So uh,
1: the to-do list,
0: yeah, so. yeah.
1: That's—I mean—that's a topic unto itself. We should have an entire episode on the to-do list. I think one other difference, and I mean, this is not. It's, it's not one particularly to complain about, I don't think. It's just, you know, the differing natures of humanity. I think it would be fair to say that for both of us, um, our partners are very enthusiastic about going to do stuff outside of the house on the weekends, you know. And I think for them, you know, I think we also have to understand you know, you and I are out at work every day. Like we're talking to other people, and and for them, I mean, there's a, a natural desire to go out and see stuff, you know, and see the world um, outside of just being a parent. And I totally get that. But when you've been working all week, what you want to do is largely sit on the couch, and and so it's very different from <clears throat> either to-do lists, which nonetheless need to happen, um, or going out and doing stuff. So it's been a long time since we've had a relaxing Saturday, um, but. You and I did have a pretty good Saturday last week.
0: Yeah, this was the first time that we actually were able to see each other in person in what eighteen months, nineteen months. That's right. right.
1: That is right. Yeah. That's right. So, listeners, basically, since you've been listening to this, since the very first episode, Christian since and I, the
0: dawn of time,
1: <laughs> we have seen each other's beautiful mugs over over the internet um, or over our phones. You know, every week, as you know, multiple times a week often, um, but we have not given each other a proper hug. In a long time,
0: and boy, was a it a proper hug! <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It uh, there was dancing involved and yep. nudity. Oh, sorry, we're going to keep that part off of uh, off yeah. the air. Um, yeah, it was amazing, man. We saw each other and we hung out and we properly hung out too. Like like yes. the whole day, we had an evening. Saw a pair of friends, uh, a very very good friends of both you and I. Um, had a great time with them. I mean, it was a it was a blast.
0: It was, and it's crazy to think that that was already a week ago.
1: I know, I know. It yeah. feels it honestly feels like yesterday. It really does. It really does.
0: And I think we should just clarify for for listeners as well. Just you mentioned kind of our wives inherently wanting to, you know, get out and do stuff. Currently, my wife is on bed rest, um, expecting um twins, as we talked about in a previous episode. And Chris, your wife is still on maternity leave. So um yes. so we should just, you know, clarify that for for those who are listening who might have uh you know not stayed up to date on the details but um yeah it's funny how you mentioned just like the it's not a complaint it's just the complete difference of what a weekend is now as a parent because it's not a weekend because a weekend implies relaxation and it is that is not the case you just don't happen to be at work
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I still remember, you know, I I often think back to when I was doing my internship when I lived in uh, America for the year in San Diego. And um, I still remember my very first day coming off of overnights. Um, It was the longest and best sleep I've ever had in my entire life. So uh, my shift ended at about 10 in the morning, had some paperwork to do, had some meetings to attend, got home maybe like one in the afternoon, um, did, uh, you know, like got a bunch of stuff ready, like fed my cat and everything, um, and then fell asleep until 11 o'clock at night, woke up for 30 minutes, had a snack, fell asleep again, woke up at 11 o'clock the next morning. I had like 18 hours of sleep, best sleep of my entire life. And you just think, you know, as, as draining as that was, and at the time, it felt like a bad memory. What I now think back fondly about it is that that day after a long work week, when you know, you don't have to do anything. You know, you can absolutely become a houseplant if that's what you want. Um, you know, for us, I think a big time was um, was sort of Monday nights after we finished our vet, vet school exams. You know, you could just completely release. And as a dad, that is absolutely one of the things that changes. You know, they say you need to be prepared for your life changing. And you think, well, you know, how's my life going to change all that much? And that is one big thing is that the, there's always a responsibility at home. And that applies on the weekend as well. Um, but you still got to cook some bacon and eggs whenever you get a chance.
0: Absolutely. Eggs, bacon, and toast. Am I right? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Get some, if, uh, if anyone knows what episode that's from, then you'll do well on the quiz coming up later today. Um, yeah, I actually, you know, another reason it's a good Saturday is that I, I had a pretty good Friday night last night um, because Christian, for the first time, in i think two years honestly maybe even two and a half years just because of the way the pandemic's gone um i went to a kitchener rangers game
0: kitchener rangers <laughs>
1: <laughs> um listeners for those of you who don't know the reason why christian is uh, tilting his head back and yelling up into the sky kitchener rangers um is because uh, that's largely what i obnoxiously did for about uh 10 years of our friendship. Um, The Kitchener Rangers, being a junior hockey team, have a, a small proportion of their players go on to the NHL, and it's very satisfying when those players come up in conversation as NHL players and you say, well, you know where they got their start. Kitchener Rangers! So...
0: You basically are the Pierre Maguire of the (laughs) Kitchener Rangers. Just, like, knows everything about their, like, high school and junior league experiences, for sure. Pierre
1: Pierre Maguire, now uh, assistant general manager, or assistant to the general manager um, of the Ottawa Senators. Another sitcom reference! We're just pulling them in. Um, Yeah, so I went to a a Kitchener Rangers game for the first time in a long time last night. They did have a vaccine protocol for entry, so you had to present um, either electronic or paper proof of your double doses to get in. Um, which actually, you know, I got to say was very smooth. You know, it was still only at 50% capacity. So the lines weren't weren't that big a deal. Um, so it was extremely fast that they checked them and then you were, you were admitted. One of the interesting things. So I mentioned this morning, I've got the Premier League on. You know, I've got the Chelsea-Southampton game just finished here. It is 100% capacity, just completely full. No masks on in the crowd whatsoever. If you had no idea, if you were just an alien dropped in from outer space, this would look exactly, well, you'd have no idea why everyone's kicking this ball around. And if you're an alien, but if you were dropped in here from 10 years ago, you would think there was no pandemic going on, you know? And so in stark contrast at the game last night, 50% capacity, probably even a little bit less than that were there. Everybody wore their masks 100% of the time, you know? So I've been to Jays games and Toronto FC games, uh, Jays, that's the Toronto Blue Jays games um, this year. And, you know, there's a mask policy, But as I'm sure you've seen on TV, Christian, those masks fall down real quick.
0: Yeah, and somehow they just accidentally fall off, like, (laughs) so frequently. It's very bizarre.
1: And it's, I mean, it's this very odd sort of... um, You know, if if you've ever watched the show The Wire, there's this great moment where Bunny Colvin is describing the value of the paper bag over alcohol so that police officers were sort of able to willingly ignore something that they didn't want to to penalize people for. Um, And there's this sort of willing, willing ignorance of the situation. You know, like at the bottom of each section at the Skydome, they'll have somebody holding up a sign that says, please wear your masks and a security guard. And literally every single person in front of him is not wearing a mask. And and not one word will be said. You know, it's just sort of the stalemate of, of what they've allowed. But at the Rangers games, every single person genuinely wears their mask for ninety five percent of the time. Really, only taking it down to you know take a take a bite of their you know pizza or something. So it was a it was a very interesting difference. And
0: uh, it, it's funny because that you mentioned that because the stark contrast to that, uh, meaning the will willing ignorance or or stalemate was when I was on a plane. And wow. when I was on a plane, they were like, if you're like, if they could even start to see the bridge of your nose under your mask, they'd be, um, sir. <laughs> like, they were all over it. It was wow. fantastic. Um, yeah. and I mean, I feel bad for the flight attendants who would have to always just be like, hey, dumbass. Yeah mask back on, but they were all over it in their very, very polite way. Um, so kudos to them. But, um, yeah,
1: I would have to think that an airplane in particular is just this tinderbox. I mean, not only is it, is it, you know, one of the, one of the riskiest times of transmission, because it can often be going country to country or region to region, but there's, it's, 100% self-contained airflow. It's right? recirculated there's zero air. There's ventilation yeah. at all. Yeah. So, um, But on the other hand, I think flight attendants, I mean, you and I both lived through 9-11 and the massive change that uh, the airline industry underwent was largely just being able to not take crap from anybody. You know, that they could essentially just be like, nah, this is the rules. My Sorry. house, my
0: rules. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that I think that is helping them in the pandemic that they can essentially just say, my house, my rules.
0: Um, and they, they, there's food. signs everywhere that's just like, oh, you don't want to do that? Get off the plane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't care. They're like, get off. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, we don't have to get deeply into the vaccine thing. But, you know, certainly it goes without saying that, you know, I I don't think anyone would question uh, an individual's right to choose uh, what they put in their body. But, you know, that also doesn't necessarily give them the privilege, not human right, privilege of flying on an aircraft, you know, the, that the aircraft has their own ability to set their own rules about what they do with their air, aircraft. So um, very, uh, very interesting situation. But on a lighter note, um, when I was at the Kitchen Rangers game last night, one of these only in the OHL type things happened. Um, so this is junior hockey. So ages 16 to 20, um, about a third of the players playing have been drafted into the NHL, So um, Still working their way up, kind of like college sports for our American listeners. A little bit, it's like Canada's hockey version of college sports. A couple of years younger, I suppose. Um, and uh, and so what happens, of course, is that there's a lot of nerves. You know, these are these are kids playing in some of their first high level games. For the fir- for some of them, first time playing in front of crowds that aren't parents. You know, so it's a really big deal to them. Um, and yesterday, I saw four goals in 42 seconds. So, um, what happens with these goaltenders, there was two 17 year old goaltenders, bit of nerves going on, you know, each team gets one goal, you know, and right away you could just feel the kind of nerves enter the building. Like it just felt in that moment, everyone realized any shot could go in. So six seconds after we equalized, uh, Niagara came storming down the ice and just floated one on net, boom, five hole right away. Then 13 seconds later over the blue line, another floater on net. Top shelf, you know, like just right away. So four goals in 42 seconds is probably the most goals I've ever seen in that short a period of time. And it's one of those only in the OHL things.
0: And it's – you could just – like you said, you just feel the energy in the building. And like you can just only imagine those like poor like 17-year-old kids who are like – they're trying their best but they just like – they they are very aware of what is slipping away and it is just everything that they've ever learned about the goaltending position is just literally just like shaking away and like out of their hands you know what do i do with my hands yeah like what is what is this what is this wooden oddly shaped object in my hand what is this why is this on my face like you know just like completely just forgetting anything um
1: Makes me think of a, you, you and I have a very good mutual friend who I think occasionally tunes into the podcast. Um, who uh, who learned to be a goalie for the first time when we were when we were all adults together. Like had essentially never played hockey and not only learned how to play hockey but learned how to be a goalie for the first time.
0: Yeah, we had. Uh, yeah, that was when we were in vet school, um, and each year each class had a uh, a hockey team and because the hockey tournament was a very big thing between all the classes but our team didn't have a goalie and so our friend was just like yeah okay i'll play i'll learn how to play goalie never literally been on like skates before barely even and uh yeah he did really really well um overall which was great but it was just yeah there were just these odd times like when he would come out to play the puck and i remember this just vividly one time there was like you know a, a puck got dumped uh you know uh got dumped into the zone uh, but it was kind of like almost directly on net but the other team was going off on a line change and so he came up to try and like pass it and completely whiffed um and so the puck is now just now going just right into the net and one of our defensemen um had to like race back and like dive and knock the puck out of the way so it almost became this like thing and of course like. We're obviously all very thrilled that he's just playing goalie, um, and he actually did really well. Won us the, yeah, I mean, like, like the, the championship, like won us the championship one year. impressive so. things,
1: yeah. that I've ever seen. Actually, yeah. you know re- realistically, and
0: but and so but these little moments were just bound to happen uh, with him, which were just again just more hilarious than anything because you know he does really well for the majority of the time, and then you forget. You're like, oh right, he's only been on skates and in goalie pads for like twelve weeks. So <laughs> yeah. Give him a break, but.
1: (laughs) All right, my friend. Well, what do you think? Shall we get this uh, episode started?
0: Let's load it up. tried to write a poem about chicken, but I was never good at poultry. I'm Christian. That's Chris. And you're here for another episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. <laughs> we would be remiss if we didn't uh, thank a few people as always. Producer Ryan, thank you for making us sound as, as good as you possibly can. We know we don't make it easy on you. Uh, Michael Spicer for the uh, wonderful intro and all the sound effects that you hear throughout the show. Uh, Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist for the image and branding. Our wives and daughters for allowing us to do this, because let's be real, they allow us to do this. And of course, you the listeners, because otherwise we'd just be two weirdos talking to each other over the Internet. (laughs) Chris, I had um, a really, really great experience a few weeks ago, um, because for the first time in over 18 months, um, I was able to take my daughter to see her grandparents,
1: Oh wow! What a what a great moment. I mean, those are definitely the type of things that COVID has taken away from us.
0: Yeah, and so we uh, listeners, if you recall, uh, myself being Canadian but living across the border here in uh, in Erie County, uh, Western New York, um, have unable to be, to see my own parents, um, and then by by nature, my daughter not being able to see her grandparents since I mean March of 2020, really. So. Um, Now, that being said, we do the FaceTime thing all the time, you know, plenty of pictures and videos. And actually, I've been very impressed with my daughter who um, has recognizes my parents, actually asks uh, on her own to call grandma and grandpa. So she so she knows them well, Um, you know, when they pop up on FaceTime, she sees them and knows who they are right away. So which is good.
1: Just as an aside, isn't it so incredible how quickly kids are good with screens, eh? I mean, my my daughter will immediately try to grab the phones out of my mind and my wife's hand. You know, she's already understanding that if you, like, flick the screen, it, like, something will change on it, you know? And we're trying to discourage that and trying to take that away. But it's amazing how well-suited, I mean, you know, infants are to this. It, it really is incredible.
0: Yeah, what we, uh, what we will do sometimes is, like, if we're trying to, you know... Uh, if I have to distract her for uh, a particularly poopy diaper, let's say, um, you know, she'll have I have videos on my phone. Right. And she'll get to hold it. And it's it's amazing how very early on she learned that if she swiped one way, like the next video came, you know, and wow. like that was. Yeah, yeah it's it's very uh, uh, it was very interesting. Um, our daughter has her own phone. Um, now I'm using big air quotes here. It's literally <laughs> a remote from a fan that we don't have anymore. Um, but <laughs> we already, that, that, that fan already left. Um, but uh, it's just the remote, but she like walks around with it, like up to her ear and just says like, hello, hello. And just like walks around. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's, it's really very good. funny, but sometimes I'm just like, Oh, have we doomed her already? because she you'll like, <laughs> she'll stop somewhere and then just be like, Where's my phone? <laughs> like
1: <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. It's not far from you know, she'll be like, oh, wallet keys, fan remote. Got it. We're good. We're, we're good.
0: good. Okay, we're good. Um but anyway, uh short story long. Um we uh yeah, so we were able to go and visit uh my parents, which then kind of led me to thinking about the kind of concept of being a parent. Taking your child to visit their grandparents and what that looks like now from a parent's perspective. Mm. So, um, so just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea. So, of course, uh, we had to cross the border into Canada, uh, which meant we had to fulfill some COVID requirements. Um, so, my wife and I had to go get tested within seventy-two hours of our um, of our of our travel. Um, my daughter being under twelve. Um, And under five um, did not have to, um, you know, get tested or vaccinated. Um, But then we had to, you know, show all our proof when we were crossing the border, you know, this, that and the other thing, which was fine. But uh, my daughter, so my wife and I have Nexus passes. So normally we can fly right across the border, but uh, our daughter does not. We were planning on getting it, but then, of course, the pandemic hit. So we have to go through, I say, the normal line. Uh, You know, the non nexus line where I'm so curious, I actually wouldn't have thought
1: that she wouldn't she would need one. I mean, I, I mean, I guess now that you're saying it, and now that we're talking about it, it makes sense that she would need one. I mean, she is a, an individual human after all, but like, at what age? I mean, so say she's born you know, and she's like three months old and you're trying to cross the border. Do you right away for a three month old not get to take the Nexus line anymore?
0: Correct. Yes.
1: Wow. I guess she's a security threat. I mean, I know many infants do, uh, you know, keep up ties with. We do call her the mule.
0: So yeah. (laughs) Um, So then, um, so we were, you know, going through the, the line. And I just have to say a couple of things about the border really quickly that were kind of like a little bit like cringeworthy for me. Uh, one of which is like the border guard admitted to not being fully vaccinated. Wow. Which I was like, wait a minute, you you work at the border, anyway, whatever. Because that is odd. We yeah. had to hand her all it these. We odd. had to hand her all these documents, and you know, and she was like, oh, like if you could just like she just wanted me to show her the COVID test results, and I was like, that's fine. She's like, yeah, I really just don't want to touch as many things as I can because I'm not fully vaccinated, and I was like, wow. I was like, but you just took my passports. Yeah.
1: Like it's odd even, I mean, I know that this isn't the, you know, I'm bearing the lead here, but it's odd that she would even say it. Right. You know, like say you say you were or whatever, like if your company allowed you not, or you know, the border services allowed you not to be vaccinated. And, you know, you were making the choice not to be whatever it is that you would even bring it up with people, you know, like that right. you would say it to them. It's almost just to like grind the gears a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You see all this documentation you're showing me. I don't have to do that. I you don't know? Need a- it. <laughs>
0: yeah. But then the, the part that was like even more frustrating than that was like, so we handed her our passports and she's at, she has to ask each individual person, you know, the symptom questions, you know, any cough, fever, shortness of breath, blah, blah, blah. And so then she's just like like, flipping through that. And she's like, and she calls my daughter's name and says, any fever, coughing, shortness of breath, and just pauses. And so I'm in the driver's seat. My wife is behind me uh, in the captain's chair with my daughter in the other captain's chair. And my wife just paused and goes. She's two. She's not going to answer you. Like, And the border guard looked perturbed because it was just like, hey, any fever, shortness of breath, like as as if she needed a <laughs> verbal confirmation from my two-year-old to be like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, anyway. Yeah, plus
1: she's on her phone the whole time. Anyway, right,
0: yeah. So. She's already on her fan remote talking to her. Anyway, so, uh, so I mean, we get through, we get to my parents, whatever, fine. Smooth sailing from there. But um, – Yeah, it was just really funny. uh, And uh, my wife and I were talking about this before. And uh, so, Chris, I'm curious, and I'll kind of throw it out to you after I say this, this, this next thing, which is my parents have been basically like waiting 18 months for this moment, right? And so it was really funny just to see my mom and dad literally just like empty the bin. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they brought out every single toy that they have amassed in 18 months like it was like they had one day left on earth and they were trying to cram every possible activity in and like my wife and i were just like you know like she's she's probably gonna play with like two of them not the 47 you brought her like let's just let's just see what she wants to do, you know, um, and so uh, I, I'm curious. Like when you take your daughter to kind of visit your grandparents, what is their like, you know, initial reaction when you show up, or you know, with their initial like interaction? Is it immediately just like, "Hey, let's do all this stuff," or? Or mm, what are they particularly mm. like when you show up?
1: Mm, that is a really good question. Um, I think, so some of this I do think will be informed by the age difference between our daughters a little bit. In that mine is a bit younger. And so there's a bit more just like general holding going on, if sure. that makes sense, rather than, than playing. Um, the the first thing is often, as silly as it sounds, it's often tears. Um, you know, a bit of welling up and, and uh, you know, not like not bawling, but just... You know, kind of that emotional rush of, oh, my God, I'm seeing my granddaughter again. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I should clarify tears of the grandparents, not of the grandchild. (laughs) Although when she was younger, it was tears of the grandchild. Anybody that held her that wasn't mom and dad was a disaster. Um, We're over that now. Thank God. Um, so that, that kind of that initial rush, I would say is let me hold her. And it, you know, what used to be giant hugs for me and my wife, like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in a month is now that's, that's sort of the second on the list, (laughs) you know, like we get all of the baby greeting and love and all of that out of the way. And then we've got some hugs.
0: Yeah. For me, it was like, it was, that was exactly it. And like I, at that point and, and my wife had not seen my parents in that long either. So it was their first time seeing all all of us. And yet it was literally just like, we, I could have just dropped my daughter off and driven away and my parents (laughs) would have been just as fine, you know, because it was like, Oh, I let, uh, I let my daughter go in. They had all these toys ready to go. And then I just went and like unpacked the car for like 10 minutes. And uh, because I mean, still, even now, I mean, it's about an hour and a half from myself to uh, to my parents, even though there is an international border in between, we had to bring so much shit. Like, Mm. because we were there for the whole day. So we had to bring, you know, a pack in place, had to have somewhere to nap, you know, um, you know, toys, extra clothes, um, you know, uh, like all that type of stuff. We brought, we brought milk, um, you know, just in case, because, you know, daughter still has a bottle, not realizing that it was only an hour and a half. So like, my mom clearly had milk that she could have had but like (laughs) we brought it anyway um you know that is that
1: is definitely another big difference for sure just you know you're you're listing all this stuff that you have to bring right and another big difference between showing up to see your your mom and dad um you know five years ago not even three years ago well you just showed up right you just showed up you walked in the door and then you were there yeah whereas now you show up and it's here's the granddaughter I'm gonna unload the car (laughs) it's like you're going on
0: a camping trip yeah because (laughs) you basically just need to be prepared for every uh scenario but um but yeah anyway it's basically like yeah here's the reason that you wanted me to come which is to bring my daughter (laughs) to see you which again is fair and in this scenario I was totally okay with it because I mean let's be real you know that's yeah, really. What brings them the most joy is seeing I, her. But
1: I do think a little bit like one of the one of the uh, I don't even know what to call it phenomenons. I suppose, or one of the emotions that I feel, um, particularly when I'm with my mum, who you know refer back to episodes one, two, or three where we talk about our parents a little bit. Definitely the the uh, parent who I would have spent the most time with um, as a kid. Um, You know, one of the big, big differences is or one of the big things that we feel when when she's over is sort of this kind of mutually shared feeling of, oh, my God, I can't believe there's a a baby here now. You know, like she'll look at me and just be like, you're still 18 years old in my head, you know, and I look over and I'm like, yeah, I'm still a kid when I see you. You know, I don't think of being a parent. And then we kind of make eye contact and it's like, yeah. There's this other extra human child here. So that's definitely one of the things that we feel.
0: Yeah. About. We look at each other and like, I look at myself and I'm just like, I shouldn't be adult. And I look at my mom looks at me and goes, no, you shouldn't. You know, yeah, like, exactly, yeah. Exactly. So it's just, yeah. you know, it's the impressiveness of like, you know, uh, when we would go to the fair and bring home the goldfish, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, how, yes. how long are we going to be able to keep this thing alive? And they're just <laughs> like, oh, you're still doing it. Okay. All right. Goldie's still going. All right. Sounds good. You know, like.
1: Yeah, this this was the kid that couldn't keep his room clean, and yet still he's got this kid alive. Amazing.
0: It's funny what, yeah, they're just like, oh, so you can do these things, you just didn't (laughs) want to do them. Okay, (laughs) Um, I feel like it is though. Like every time, even when I was facetiming my parents, I feel like it was, you know, there was this sense of pride for them, Mm, right? That they were just like, okay, we weren't complete f ups. um you know when they realize that now they have a child who themselves is a parent yeah. um you're right it is kind of this interesting little yeah kind of phenomenon i guess yeah for lack of a better term <laughs>
1: I wonder, I mean, it, it would be a difficult question to ask uh, them or, or even to really have a discrete answer. But I, I do wonder if they are more, if our parents are more proud, were more proud when we walked across the stage graduating as veterinarians and thought, yeah, you know, I raised a kid who became a, a doctor, um, or if they're more proud seeing us as parents. I I think that my, at least my mom, I think is more proud of me being a parent
0: than a vet. I think, I, I, I think it's parent and I don't think it's close. Um, Mm, yeah, yeah. I I just think there's just something innate about that, that I think is just, you know, it's like an unfair comparison really. Um, because not that they're discounting the fact that we both became doctors because of course they are immensely proud of that. Um, but I, yeah, there's just something about then becoming a parent. Like, I think that's, you know, it's, it's apples and onions, right? Like I think it's so (laughs) you can't compare them. I don't think. Um, but I would say, I would say parents and I don't think it's close, but maybe we ask them and we uh, let you know next week. Yeah. So then what, I mean, so then I guess my next question, and again, like you said, there is an age difference here between our, our daughters specifically, but how do you kind of figure out the, um, the interaction between your parents or your wife's parents and your child? Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, for me, it was very interesting to see my daughter, who again is mobile, is over two, you know, playing with toys and watching her kind of interact with my parents and like encouraging her to do so. Cause we didn't want her just to stick to us. I mean, really, the reason we brought her is to see them. So to like encourage that, but then also you kind of want to encourage it, but control it at the same time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's an interesting concept. How, what do you feel like that's like when you visit either your in laws or your folks?
1: Boy, what a what an interesting question. Um, it, it is a tough balance. You know, it is the type of emotional situation that it's not, like, it's not a high stakes situation. It's just one of those awkward things that you've never had to do before in your life. Um, I would say for me personally, just me personally in isolation, the, the thing is to try to be extremely hands-off, you know, when my granddaughter is with my, with her grandmother, with my mom, You know, just in the same way that I wouldn't talk back to my mom about how she's raising me, I wouldn't I try not to, you know, talk back to her and say, oh, you need to do it this way. You know, just like let them be let them be who they are. You know, I was spoiled by my grandmother when I was a kid and just let that happen. Um, I think in practice, what you actually end up being a bit more is I think particularly for grandmothers, you know, on both sides and the mother is a bit of a buffer Between the mother and the grandmother in terms of making sure that the, the mother is kind of staying relaxed, but making sure that the grandmother is not being too imposing either. You know, like I see, I think it's natural for every, everybody, the, um, the, the the mom, so our wife basically, and their mom, there's always going to be that tension right, about how you should raise the kid and like, oh, well, why aren't you doing it this way? And, you know, I did it with this way with you. And, you know, you can imagine how
0: stressful that would be. And then then you're like, mom, it's not 1984. Like, right, right. And
1: I mean, everybody's different right i mean it, i think in many ways that is the world going around and coming around i'm sure that our great great grandmothers had the same challenges with their with their mother with our great 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 grandmothers i mean it's the it's the world turning you know and so um i think just kind of being that kind of uh emotional balance where you're like just trying to keep everybody happy and you know take away the baby sometimes to, Oh yeah, we just need to go change the diaper just to kind of let things, you know, to let there not be an immediate decision-making process. <laughs> right I
0: feel there. like, I feel like that dynamic is like the microcosm of the Facebook mom group. Mm, like it's really mm, just mm. the like, Oh, well, you know, like even though they've like grandmothers in innately, I feel like they're trying to be helpful. Of course. But, like, right, like, there's not, like, a oh, you're doing it wrong, but it's just, like, oh, like, have you tried this? And then, like, every mom is going to feel insecure about how yeah, they're raising their own exactly. child because that's just being a parent, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, like you said, it's kind of just be like, all right, you know, like, I feel like it's, uh, uh, you know, the episode of The Office where it, there's the murder in Savannah and at the end, they all <laughs> yes. were pointing the guns at each other. And they're like, everybody be cool, be cool, be <laughs> yeah. cool, you know, like whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. And, you know, it's just like, all right, you know, like you said, maybe we'll just go change the diaper. Like, it's just that little, yeah. just like, ooh,
1: yeah, exactly. you know, kind
0: of moment, um, which, is, which is very funny. I see it almost all the time because... I have four generations of, of females of on my wife's side who are all, you know, together sometimes. So it's mm, right, it's, of course. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's Gigi, great grandma, <laughs> yeah. my wife's mom, my wife, and then my daughter. And just to see all four and then and then it's just multiple generations of the same thing. And then you're yeah. and then I'm just there just like, all right, everybody be cool. Yeah. Like, Like, I feel like I need to dress up as the Michelin man just to be like the soft cushion between everybody. It's it's quite hysterical. And then it's really funny for me. So I kind of do that. Um, You know, my mom is very I mean, my parents are both educators. Right. So then my mom's all about like what they're doing and developing Mm -hmm. like senses. I'm like, Mom, you're hanging out with her for like two hours. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not like there's no lesson plan here. Whereas my dad's just a big kid. Like my dad's just like my dad's just like ooh this toy looks fun um, yeah. <laughs> so which is which is kind of uh, uh, hilarious to see so
1: and I think it you know it's as you say with being the Michelin Man and, and everything and taking the kid away for a brief moment I really do think and I mean I think I've said this in a previous episode compartmentalization is actually I think a bit a bit of your friend in this situation you know like I think what you need in those social situations is one like clear leader in the moment, you know? So if it's grandma time, she's going to make the calls and we're just going to try to ignore it, even if we don't like it. You know, remember that they raised us and we turned out fine. They're, they're more experienced in this than we do. Um, but then when it's our time, that their role is to not butt in. You know, like that's that is the kind of mutual balance that you have to strike. Of course, our moms, so the the grandmothers in this scenario, they must remember like with their mothers in law and their, you know, their parents, they must remember that stress. So the onus is on them a little bit to remember not to butt in and remember how difficult that was. And the onus is on us to try to be like, okay, you know, they, they raised us. We don't need to micromanage what they're doing with our kid, you know, and just let there be one leader in that moment, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think the, the big thing to remember throughout all of that as well is that when these types of situations are happening, it's kind of figuring out, okay, you know, the core, the core message that's trying to be dictated in that Mm. moment. Right. Which is just like, and I know you and I have talked about this before uh, for a wide variety of reasons. It's just like, okay, like what is, what is absolutely the most necessary here? You know, is it, is it me proving a point? You know, is it me or my wife like proving to our parents that we can do this just fine? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is the point? And of course everyone's goal is the happiness and development of the child that's in front of them. Um, It's just kind of funny when just like everybody's ideas of what that is sometimes just come crashing into each other. Um, When we're just like, Hey, you know what? We're like, we're just, we're just here to play and do puzzles like yeah, you know yeah. like let's
1: And that's the thing is it really like we build it up so much as as these things matter but like kids are robust you know like they're fine you know whether you do something slightly differently you know than than somebody else does it it's all going to be fine and especially if it's just for an afternoon right i mean i think I know that. Yeah, this isn't boarding that,
0: school. Like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, that, you know. Yeah.
1: Now, if I may ask you, um, you know, one of the sort of dynamics that you experience a lot is one, uh, your wife's mom lives nearby to you, right? And so is physically close. And so, unlike your parents, um, uh, you see her a lot. Um, do you feel that there's a difference in that dynamic with one parent who, you know, is? like, I don't know what the term is. I want to say aunt, but no, I just mean grandmother, but someone who's there all the time and helping out. Do you notice a different dynamic there as opposed to say with your parents who don't, you don't see as often or your father-in-law who you don't see as often?
0: Um, I really don't, to be honest with you. Um, And I think that only really is because of full credit to my daughter Um, of just just being awesome that way like when she sees my parents even though it's left off less often it's like she saw them yesterday and it's kind of like oh we're gonna go do this now and she knows them as grandma and grandpa and whereas grammy who is my mother-in-law, who's here all the time, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, Grammy's here. Like right, um, like you right. said, she's pretty robust that way. Um, and I think there's also something to be said for the amount of times we were able to FaceTime as well. Like right. I think yeah, that yeah, development yeah. helps, that there was still that constant interaction. Whereas I think I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, one of the things my mom specifically, but mom and dad love to do with her is sing, right? So like to right, sing and do right. actions and that type of stuff. And my uh, my daughter will instinctively, like, want to do that. Like, so my daughter will be like, oh, can we call grandma and grandpa and sing? So she right, knows, right. like, there's those That's things really nice. that are, like, spe- not that they're specific, only to be done with those particular... Um, but she associates it. She right. Makes she makes that connection. Yeah, and it's yeah. something that she herself just wants to do. Like, is that something right. that we're like, come on, let's go sing. She's literally like, oh, call grandma and grandpa and sing? Like, she right. knows these types of things. And so... Um, again, I think it's just full credit to her. Like, I don't think it's anything that my wife and I planned and we're like, oh, we did such a good job that there's no difference. There's no, we just got fucking lucky that she was just, <laughs> you know, able to just kind of pull that off. And so I think a lot of credit is 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 to her in that way. Do you notice a difference between the sets of parents that your mm, daughter visits mm, in mm. in any of that standpoint?
1: Boy, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. I wouldn't say I notice a major difference in our daughter. I wouldn't say so. Um, She is really flexible. And I mean, she is still quite young. You know, she's only 10 months. So she's still like... Basically, the difference that we're noticing, is she happy and giggling or not? And I would say she is largely, you know, one of the differences for sure is that in those early phases, the first few months, it was very much, have I seen you before? And do I remember you? Right. Um, And so there was a difference parent to parent in the, I've never seen you before, you know, um, start crying. But now at this stage, I'd say they're all similar from our daughter's perspective, I'd say the dynamic is extremely different grandparent to grandparent just because of the differences in our relationships with them, you know, so like the difference between whether it's m- my mom versus a mother-in-law, you know, versus, uh, you know, and I, I don't think it's we necessarily need to generalize genders, but I do notice a difference in the whether the how the grandfathers interact versus the grandmothers and somehow that doesn't introduce quite as much tension into it. You know, I don't know why I think maybe, you know, you were mentioning how your dad just kind of likes to laugh and sing and not worry too much about stuff. And my dad's the same way. Um, I think that helps, you know, I think, I think that helps. So I think I notice a difference in grandfather versus grandmother. Um, and I notice some differences in our relationships with uh, grandmothers, mothers-in-law. Um, but I wouldn't say our daughter notices a big difference. I'd say she's very, very happy, always happy with the grandparents. And they seem to be the only people other than us that she just is always happy around, which is really quite nice to see.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see as your daughter gets you know more mobile and has more maybe emotional and social interactions you know um independent of like you said, just kind of the like being held or the like do I remember you It'll be interesting to see how that develops because that's one thing that I've really noticed a big difference over the past you know year, really, as my daughter has grown into this like tiny human with a personality that uh mm, yeah, is yeah. uh you know impossible to control in the best way.
1: One thing I, um, one thing I noticed, speaking of that, one thing that I noticed was, um, and I have to say a really, a a really big positive for us. If there's any grandparents listening to this, um, my, my mom uh, took care of our daughter for, I think three or four days uh, while we went away for, for a weekend. um, And, uh, The biggest difference was, I'd say, in visits up to that point, there was a lot of questions. How should I do it this way? How should I do it that way? And those questions are opportunities for conflict. You know, oh, well, I did it this way. Oh, I do it this way. Um, And it was very much when we left, it was like, I got it. You know, and not kind of asking questions. I think in some ways, it's better left unsaid in a lot of ways. Grandparents are going to do things differently than you do. And, And you know that. And in some extent, that's fine. What what you don't want is when you're all in a room, you were mentioning those things before, like the questions. Oh, well, why don't you do it this way? Oh, why don't you do it that way? Like if everybody just stops talking about it and just does their own thing and kind of accepts if somebody else is doing something, it's fine. You know, it does take a lot of the stress away. And so I think in many ways, just not talking about it, like just letting it happen was really good. Um, But you you know, you were mentioning as your daughter grows, what I'm interested to see is the way that our daughter will drive those differences, you know, Oh, grandma, can I have, can I have these treats? You know, cause I always get these treats when I'm with grandma and how she'll drive any of those differences. You know,
0: that will yeah. be interesting to see. Now, oh, I uh,
1: always get bedtime stories this way, you know, that kind of
0: thing. Absolutely. Well, this is a, a good time to take a break here on the dad joke loading podcast. Make sure to hit us up at the show, uh, dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com dad joke loading podcast on instagram at loading dad on twitter we'd love to hear all of your uh, grandparent stories um if you have differences between sets of grandparents or any of those dynamics um because everybody's a little different as we kind of mentioned but uh, but we'll take a quick break um and if you've been listening to the intro and heard the easter eggs we're going to be talking about some tv show stuff when we come on back here again i'm christian that's chris this is the dad joke loading podcast we'll be right back Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. Are you a D&D podcaster? We got swords! Ooh, ouch. Spells. And oh boy, the creatures. Hi, I'm Steve and I'm a goblin. Need your voice altered? Just tell me what you want to sound Like. like. like! Robot? Robot? Tiny? Tiny? Demon? Demon? If you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! All right, dad jokers, you know what that sound means. Actually, wait, no, you don't. Uh, because this is the, the intro of a brand new recurring segment um, that we are going to call the good, the dad and the ugly. And so this is a review segment where uh, two dads get to talk about whether something is good. You know, we re- actually generally really liked it and for, you know, holds up for a lot of ways. If it's dad... Meaning, you know, like we like it, but maybe other people might not, you know, kind of like dad jokes or if you know it's just plain ugly, what's, what's, <laughs> what's dad?
1: I love me a good pun. You know, you can never call a pun good. They're rarely ugly. I mean, they're just a pun. It's hard to be ugly. Um, but God, when you, when you rocked that poultry joke early on <laughs> and even this good, the dad and the ugly, I'm just sitting here chuckling to myself like an idiot. <laughs>
0: It's, it's, I think it's almost like a perfect when you describe it. It's a perfect way to be like, if it's Dad, it's just like, no, some people found it really funny, but other people <laughs> just rolled their eyes at it. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, And so uh, what I was going to review and bring to the show for your thoughts as well, Chris, this week, is I just finished the Marvel uh, series Loki.
1: Mmm, good one.
0: Yes, and so I uh, was going to kind of talk about, because I've been having a lot of conversations here about the three kind of most recent series being Loki, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and WandaVision, and which people liked – liked them best you know which ones they've liked which ones they didn't how they ranked them um so i was just going to kind of review each of them really quickly um and then kind of get your thoughts on which ones uh you liked as well okay so um my favorite of the three and i think it was not really a contest was loki itself <clears throat> um and um and, and really just because, I mean, to my, in my opinion, I think it was the most visually impressive um, of the three. Um, and I think it was kind of the best plot concept, kind of mind bender, um, you know, kind of, um, kind of aspect. I also really just like the actors who were involved. Um, so, and actually I was really impressed with Owen Wilson. I, I mm, was really, yeah, yeah. Um, I was really nervous about what his role, I was hoping he wasn't just going to be like the comic relief, just kind of like in there, just being like when Loki did something, just being like, wow, like mm-hmm. I was really hoping that wasn't going to be him, but he did really well. Um, and so I really just liked the, the acting overall. And again, just with the evidence and kind of basis of time travel and just kind of, you know, these different universes, again, allowed it to be a lot more visually stunning, um, mm. you know, than I think fun. the other ones
1: unquestionably the most visually stunning. I mean, it was the most like the Marvel Universe in the planet-to-planet travel and time travel, all of that. I mean, it was was the most true to a Marvel movie. Like that, you know, Loki could have been released as a movie in that way, and it would have been just as successful and done just as well on the big screen. Unquestionably, it was also my favorite. Um, What I liked, we'll get into the other shows in a moment, but what I liked the most about that one is that there was... um, every episode felt like there were more mysteries to be solved. Like every episode kept me intrigued with new twists and turns, which is what a comic book is supposed to be, right? right? You know, you do just one little chapter and then there's a big, you know, there's a cliffhanger. So, you know, you wait till the next week and that's what comic books are supposed to be. Um, Whereas I didn't feel that as much for WandaVision, which I mean, I, I feel like we can, you know, dance around the spoilers a little bit here. There's one major twist in WandaVision, which is just kind of sitting and cooking for the whole episode, you know, and you kind of get three or four episodes in what the twist is. And you're just kind of waiting for it to cook and develop over the course of the rest of the last few episodes. Whereas Loki, every episode kept me guessing about what the next episode was going to be. And to me, that was the most true to a comic book.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, the one if I can if I can say a downside to Loki, if I had one per se, was I didn't really feel like it was true to the Loki character that we know. Like Loki in every other and every, mm, other, yeah, yeah, and every yeah. other aspect is literally just an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Whereas I feel like really quickly into the show, you know, he gets to the the TVA and then he just like buys in really quickly and he's like, Okay, yeah. I'll help you and like mm. while yes throughout it he kind of like you know dodges them a little bit throughout it was this very like i and again i'm not saying i didn't like it i'm just saying it wasn't the 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 same it was almost like he was like mm-hmm. oh you know loki's heart did grow three sizes that day yeah. and you're just <laughs> yeah, kind of like well like yeah. wait a minute you're supposed to be like this asshole like of a guy who, totally, you know, it was
1: it was honestly, uh, you're absolutely. It was a lot right. more emotional
0: of a show than I was expecting it to be.
1: That's such a good, uh, that's such a good observation, Christian. I totally agree with that. It's almost like. um You know, Star-Lord, right? um, Chris Pratt's character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, he's supposed to be an asshole, but just is like this unwilling good guy, basically. And that's what Loki felt to me. Whereas to me, what Loki ought to be would a little bit more like Breaking Bad. You know, someone who genuinely is stuck between being good and bad and is genuinely torn between, you know, evil and good. Whereas it felt to me like they just, he used to be a bad guy. And then the Marvel Universe was like, nah, let's make him a good guy. You know, and then just kind of did a very quick little transition there where he's a bit of a, a talk-backing, smarmy bad guy. But he's not, like, he doesn't need to be saved from himself, his evilness, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, so Loki was my favorite um, of the three. Um, so then second, I actually have Falcon and Winter Soldier as my next favorite. Um, okay. Which then, spoiler alert, obviously makes WandaVision Division my least favorite of the three. Now, again, these are comparative. I'm not saying I didn't like WandaVision overall. It was just my least favorite. But uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, to me, I felt it was the more classic Avengers-style movie. Like it was a, you know, introduction of the character, which is Falcon. Um, And again, this is right in the um, wake of uh, Steve Rogers' obviously giving up the shield, not being Captain America anymore. Um, And so it was kind of – And to me, because I think a lot of people, what they didn't like and what I was hearing from a lot of people, it was like the most boring because Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier aren't these crazy like intergalactic superheroes. Like they're just – they're guys. Like they're men. Right? Right. Right. Um, But I personally – that's what I liked about it, um, which was that it was a little bit more relatable in that this was actually – people in the Avengers who actually had to struggle with day-to-day earthly things. So, like, the big one was um, Anthony Mackie's character, who is the Falcon, you know, basically dealing with the fact that he's black, and so he can't become Captain America. And then throughout the show, dealing with that. um, It was also, I think, the only real show that really explained what the blip was. So if you remember Mm, mm, in Infinity War, when Thanos snaps his fingers and half the world disappears, this was the series that explained the ramifications of that. And then like, okay, at the end of Endgame, you know, they kind of saved the world, blah, blah, blah. But like all these people just came back. Right? right. And so it's right. it, like they didn't dance around the fact that the world will never be the same, which I feel like is missing from a lot of superhero movies. So if you go back to like the original Avengers, you know, when there's this huge battle in New York and Loki being the asshole he is, of course, rides in on that big like space demon and all of Manhattan just gets leveled by the Avengers. They never really revisit that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. I would love to see a mo- like a, a mockumentary on the blip. You know, I'd love to see yeah. a mockumentary on everybody coming back. Like just, you know, this is what happened to the universe because they're incredibly interesting philosophical questions. Right. And right? so that
0: was and so the, the the show basis is the show is around basically all of these people who are fighting for the rights of the people who came back to basically being like reinstituted into society versus the government structures that are just like we have to figure out how like how to manage this and obviously people have very different opinions borders are being challenged this that and the other thing so it's kind of like a marvel movie it, a marvel movie in and amongst a humanitarian crisis which i actually <laughs> liked um right, right but the one big thing that i will say it was it was the most predictable of the shows mm-hmm. like i don't think anybody was really um surprised at the end spoiler alert that like anthony mackie becomes captain america right so he's now got the shield whereas at the very beginning he gives it up and says no i shouldn't be this person you're like yeah okay i know six like six episodes from now you know you're gonna you're (laughs) gonna pick it up like we know that's gonna happen um right Right. i also really like there was a little bit of kind of interconnection of certain shows um so um you know sharon uh uh, shoot, a- Agent Sharon. I'm blanking on her last name. I want to say Carter, but it's not Peggy Carter. Anyway, she comes in from a different, like, Marvel universe. Wakanda makes an appearance because, um, you know, Bucky Barnes hangs out in Wakanda for a bit after he's the the Winter Soldier. So there's that. Um, you know, Zemo you were right, comes by in. The way. I was Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter? Hey, Sharon okay, Carter, you nailed it. Um, so there's a bunch of different like characters that swoop in, which I kind of liked, but uh, but overall, like I said, it was the most predictable. But I liked it because of the realism of it, which I think some people didn't like. Like they were like, oh, Falcon's a boring character. Right. Because like, he's yeah. not. 4 or whatever. It's a
1: super interesting phenomenon of the Marvel Universe overall, I would say. When you think back to some of the initial ones, so the first Avengers in particular, both of the first Iron Man, so Iron Man 1 and 2, they're very much not... You wouldn't think of them inherently as sci-fi movies, you know? Like, you would think of them as superhero movies. They're like a different thing than sci-fi movies. And then you think of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Black Panther, um, Age of Ultron, like all of those. They're way more outer space related sci-fi. And I think, you know, that that was something because I never really read the comic books. I didn't didn't know that change was happening. I didn't see it happen until you're in, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and they're zipping from planet to planet and you're seeing Thanos and you're like, oh, right. This is like an outer space sci-fi thing. And I think you see those differences in, for example, how Loki is extremely sci-fi, right? It's, like, major, major science uh, in outer space, whereas, um, you know, things like Captain America are very much not. They're the opposite of that.
0: So then that leads me to, then, my least favorite of the three, which was uh, WandaVision. And, uh, I mean, full disclosure, I actually stopped watching WandaVision after, like, three episodes for a bit. Um, And then I... But what I did like about it was the kind of sitcom homages that they did. I thought that was Mm, really cool. I thought they did that really well. Um, And then I also thought, and I've thought this from the beginning, um, the chemistry between Scarlet Witch and Vision, I think Mm -hmm. those two actors are – are phenomenal together.
1: Absolutely. I'm um, really glad they got a platform, especially Vision. I mean, um, I, I really, I really like him as a, as an actor. Is it Paul Bettany? Bethany? I think I it's, yeah, Paul right? Bettany. Yep. Paul Bettany. Um, and, uh, and it was just so great to see, um, his character, uh, get a bit more airtime. I, um, first of all, I mean, I guess we have to clear the elephant in the room here after three episodes is the absolute worst time to stop Uh, watching WandaVision because the first three episodes you're kind of like what am I watching like what is that like is this this seems like a Marvel parody kind of is what I'm watching right Um, and I was it did kind of blow me away that they were willing to boy, I don't want to say it waste that much time. I mean, really, like those first two episodes genuinely could have been condensed into 10 minutes as an intro, you know, and with a whole lot of just gags that didn't really need to be there. Um, I enjoyed it for, as you say, the sitcom homages. I mean, that that gives you a bit of a chuckle, but it doesn't, other than the the sort of interesting way that they tie that into their plot story, there's no reason for it to be there, other than that they're just having some fun. Right? It was they're just it, having a bit of fun.
0: It just felt like it was like you mentioned kind of there's the one kind of cliffhanger-y kind of quote unquote plot twist at the end. But like, I don't think it was worth the wait. Like mm, I think yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I think they they just built it for so long that it was like it was like. You know, you put something in the slow cooker and just let it go for eight <laughs> hours, whereas like it could have been done in the oven in two um, yeah, and yeah. tasted just the movie. same. Yeah, exactly. Like I just um, and now I am also the person, and and again I realize I'm contradicting myself. Sometimes I feel like a lot of movies and shows get rushed because they just want to get to the point because they want mm. the big action and they lose some of the setup. Um, final
1: season of Game of Thrones.
0: It, r- yeah, classic. Um, Honestly, for me, uh, Rise of Skywalker, the final. Um, mm. uh, they just they tried to put too many bows on that movie in a row. And um. but anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, but I just felt like at the end, you were kind of like, yeah, OK, we kind of knew this was coming. And, you know, and it just we did none of other than the sitcom homages to me, which, again, were visually very well done. I don't think they really increased the value of the the drop at the end. No, right? yeah, totally, um, totally agreed. And then the other thing that I didn't necessarily um, really like about that was um, for me, there were just, like, some random characters that I don't think made sense. Like, when they have um, Pietro, so, like, Wanda's brother, yep. like, they brought back Evan Peters, um, who was Quicksilver in the X-Men movies – Um, Mm. As opposed to, um, I had to look this up, so I'm not that much of a Marvel nerd, but Aaron Taylor Johnson was who played Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. Mm. So Mm. he played Quicksilver in the MCU, and as opposed to in the X-Men movie, Uh, fun crossover, spoiler alert, Um, Evan Peters, who played uh, Pietro or Quicksilver in X-Men and then also in WandaVision, He is Michael Scott's nephew, the inept nephew in The Office. What?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, he is. Of course. That he spanks
0: whatever and this like gets like just the one thing of ice cream. You know what I mean? All those type (laughs) of things. Yeah. When I looked him up, I was just like, wait a minute. He looks familiar. And then I had to IMDB him. And I was like, yep, that's his nephew from The Office. Anyway. So, yeah, I just – I don't know. That that was weird to me too. Like I'm a person uh, that I just – I like certain characters to be played by certain people. Um and so like for me, like the fact that they didn't have the MCU um you know actor of
1: Yeah, yeah of Pietro. Yeah. They didn't maintain um, that consistency. They didn't maintain that
0: con- yeah. consistency to me. It it almost feels like a continuity error. Like, you know, when someone yeah. in like Lord of the Rings has a Rolex on, you know, like and they forget <laughs> yeah. to like catch it or whatever. Like it just seems like that to me. So that though that was weird to me. Um, but uh but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know overall I just thought like the like again, good show, but I think overall it would just it it wasn't the drop wasn't worth the like climb up to the roller coaster whereas like you said with yeah. Loki there was almost this amazing like cliffhanger every episode. Yeah. Whereas like think, there was more of a grind in WandaVision which to me felt totally. all to, to, but it felt unnecessary. It wasn't even totally. like a build of a character that in the end paid off. I didn't feel like it paid off as much as they made it.
1: Yeah. I think that's a very good way to say it. Like I, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. Like, I I mean, you know, it it was a, it was a, a way to kill some time in the evening. It was, it was a fine thing to watch. There were definitely some moments that gave me like little shivers, like as they're kind of unlocking this big mystery, like there's moments where you get goosebumps. So I, I enjoyed it overall. But I absolutely agree that first off, it is the most unlike what Marvel is. I mean, Marvel is supposed to be this over the top, massive budget movie, incredibly visually stunning action, right? Chock, chock full of action. And it wasn't, it was totally not that at all. And so it felt a little bit off brand to me. And, and it felt like, okay, well, we're gonna expand out into this other stuff. But then they did Loki and Winter Soldier, which were just totally on brand for Marvel. So it's this one kind of like outlier that doesn't fit in with the rest of them. And absolutely you get this beautiful kind of laugh and, and nostalgia as you see Malcolm in the middle show up on TV, basically, and Modern Family, and like, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, they executed that um, very well. But is that what Marvel is? Like, is this what Marvel is now? Just a commentary on TV? I mean, Marvel has never even been TV up to this point. It's always movies. So where, why do they have the gumption to do this, you know, uh, sort of homage to TV, you know? Um, so I think at this point, um, what do you think, Christian? We've uh, we've opened the door into TV here a little bit. Yeah, we and have. And that's something that both you and I love. So um, <clears throat> this week, I wanted to talk to you about something that I've noticed recently, which is... Um, A phenomenon that I experience uh, in myself whenever I'm watching sitcoms. So let me preface this. Sitcoms have been a big part of my life. I think they've been a big part of both yours and, and my life. I mean, it is absolutely the reason that we met each other and probably first became friends. We're now friends because of a billion other things. But the first thing that bonded us was a love of community. Show community. Now, I'm not sure if you remember Christian, but when we met each other, there had only at that point been two seasons of community. So we had only at that point seen two seasons, and then we as friends experienced the next four seasons. Um, So, what was you know, what I find myself doing is I often in the background as I'm cleaning or you know, doing work or whatever um, on Netflix have one of the major sitcoms that I watch on in the background. Um, So that's community. The Office, Parks and Recreation, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Arrested Development, uh, Superstore would be another big one. But recently, Netflix added a big one from our childhood, which is, I don't know if it's the same uh, in the States, but we just got Seinfeld added to Netflix. We got the
0: first nine seasons. Wait, there are nine seasons.
1: Yes, nine seasons. Okay, yeah, then. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Then- so you got you got it. You got them, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so that got me thinking a little bit about nostalgia from my childhood. One of the big differences is that I watch and love all nine seasons of Seinfeld. If anything, I think that the first one is the worst one, and then they start to kind of grow into the show a little bit. But I find absolutely the opposite phenomenon with all of the other sitcoms I watch. So, for example, Christian, you love The Office, right? You and your wife watch The Office a ton. You love The Office, Way too
0: much, but also not enough.
1: So, I think I've seen probably the first four seasons. I don't know. I don't think it would be exaggerating to say definitely between five and ten times. More than five times, less than ten times. Sure. I have seen the later seasons once. When I watch Parks and Recreation, I've seen the first four or five seasons Probably, again, six, seven, eight times. I've seen the later seasons once. Community, something that bonds us, Christian. You know, you and I, even when we're commenting on the show, when we're making references, when we're saying lines, first one, two, three, maybe four seasons all the time. Can you name a single good line from the sixth season that you enjoy? No. No. It's a challenge, right? It's a challenge. And so it got me thinking, why do I love the early seasons first? So with Seinfeld being introduced, it got me thinking a little bit to my childhood. So, um, you know, when I was a kid, sitcoms were were a big part of our family. You know, I got home from school probably around 5.30 or 6. When I was really little, I watched Scooby-Doo. But as I got older, you know, what went on was Seinfeld's Friends, Everybody Loves Raymond, um, Frasier, you know, we had—I uh, don't know if you remember Christian uh, when we were a kid—but Prime TV. Yeah. You know, along with Global and CHCH, it was uh, not Prime to be TV.
0: confused with Amazon Prime Video. This was, <laughs> yes. Yeah. This was, was this was Prime before it was cool. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And what Prime meant at that time was essentially older shows. So with my mom, I watched Mash and Cheers. Uh, probably the show that we watched the most as a kid was Frasier.
0: Um, did you watch a lot of sitcoms when you were a kid, Christian? So, um, I didn't really watch sitcoms with my family. So, um, my family traditions were more, um, centered around like Jeopardy and, uh, and like Wheel of Fortune. We'd always love to watch those two back to back, seven and 730 Yeah, (laughs) on global, you know, that type of thing. So we didn't really have a... Uh, sitcom as a family that we watched uh, because then my dad and my brother and I are baseball, uh, you know, addicts, and so a lot right. of it was sports and that type of thing. But I did watch a lot of sitcoms as a kid. So you mentioned the big one for me. I remember growing up was Frasier. Um, yeah, like I watched yeah. that one. To be honest with you, I did not watch Seinfeld until probably I was in vet school. Believe it or not, wow, like really? I didn't. Wow. Yeah, I didn't. It just wasn't like I saw it on, but it wasn't really something that I. You know, really subscribe to. My mom is like super into soap operas. So my mom was. Oh, my mom is the biggest. Your mom. The biggest Young and the Wrestlers fan. Yes.
1: You're kidding! Yeah. Wow. You, have you ever heard the Bob Dylan song "I Contain Multitudes"? Yes. I mean, your mom contains multitudes. I never would have guessed that in a like a billion years, honestly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so she was wow. big into that, and so which I was clearly not. Um, so no, I, really. Yeah, seriously, right? Uh, so we, so in that standpoint, um, we didn't really watch that sitcom specifically. As a family. Um, But the shows I remember vividly growing up with were uh, Frasier, but then also, so like my brother and I were like addicted to The Simpsons because it was like the show we were like, weren't supposed to watch, but we did, Um, (laughs) you know, and that type of thing.
1: I mean, at the time, I mean, I know that we say we weren't allowed to watch in in air quotes there, but I mean, Ren and, uh, God, not Ren and Stippy, uh, Itchy and Scratchy, I mean, like, that's... That's hard for a parent to be like, oh, yeah, my nine-year-old's watching that. It's cool. I don't mind. Which, of course, was the joke, right? Is that they were making a parody of violent TV, which is is really funny. So, yeah, I I experienced the same thing as you. And looking back on those, even when I watch Frasier, Christian, I noticed that the later seasons – are different right they're not always set in Fraser's apartment or the radio station which is what they always were growing up they introduce Daphne's mom there's the new dynamic of Niles and Daphne like they you know get being pregnant and being parents uh, all of a sudden you know it it changes and so it made me think about what is it about shows as they age um why do they change them You know, what are the positive reasons for it? What are the negative reasons for it? And am I alone in only liking the early seasons of shows? Um, So I guess this would be a good time. If you, um, as a listener, you know, have a strong opinion on this, if you like the earlier seasons, if you like the later seasons, if you have any thoughts on why they changed them, let us know, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. But I was going through that list before and I was thinking, okay, Parks and Recreation. Christian, what is your what are your favorite seasons of Parks and Rec? For me, it's the early ones. I actually love the Mark Brandanowitz seasons. And they basically just wrote Mark off the show and don't even reference him later. Like, you know, they get later in the show and Anne is doing that yard sale, basically, or charity sale where she's selling, you know, the box of different things from each of her different relationships. And she's like, this is my Andy box. And she pulls out all the flannel. This is my Tom Haverford box, you know, and she pulls out, um, you know, blankets and stuff like that. And she doesn't even mention Mark Brandanowitz. It almost felt like the Parks and Rec Writers were just like, nah, we don't really want those first two seasons to have happened. And yet for me, those were the greatest ones. You know, we had brought up community before. And of course, one of the big things that changed, and maybe this is one of the reasons that, that you know, uh, shows become difficult or, or harder to watch or undergo change as they age, is that the cast changes you know, for those first three seasons, what defined community? It was that group of seven, right? It was that middle group of seven. And then Chevy Chase leaves, which as far as we read behind the scenes was maybe a good thing, but it changed the dynamic of the show. Donald Glover left. Again, he became super famous. No one would blame him for leaving and and pursuing bigger things, but it changed the show. Troy and Abed defined the show and then they left the show. And it does it does change this. So for me, one of the things I was wondering is, are sitcoms an extension of our family? You know, is it that we're getting comfortable with family members and then those family members get taken away? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think it's a – I think that there's a balance for a lot of what we're talking about here. Because I think if you ask a lot of people, the first season and a half – of the office is almost unwatchable for some people hmm. because Steve Carell is just so cringeworthy. He's a different and, character, absolutely right. And so, but you have to establish all of these characters. One of the ones that I think you you missed in in my regular rotation is Schitt's Creek. And mm, yeah, absolutely. And but people watch like the first season of that. And they're just like, "Ugh, like these characters are so annoying. And, you know, like uh, Alexis is so stuck up and like Moira's voice. I can't take like this and that. But then they become the staples. So there's that balance between you have to set everything up versus then maintaining that status quo. And so I think for some of them, you have to allow some time because i mean you mentioned i'll just go back to community really quickly you mentioned kind of like troy and abed but like the classic thing i mean you and i do the troy and abed handshake whenever we see each other uh, you know we say we sing troy and abed in the morning but like that doesn't come in until you establish that character those characters right, right? so like right. a lot of that doesn't come in right away but some of the realization of those characters and how they develop is also the best part so while i'm kind of in agreement with you I might sway mine a little bit that I think the best seasons often are maybe like two through five.
1: Mm, you know, yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's I, like... You've hit the nail on the Because head, I, I think there's that.
0: that a level of setup that needs to happen. Um, but then it quickly gets to a point where you almost run out of material, right? Because mm. nobody... Really, so I'll use Schitt's Creek as the example. Like, nobody really just wants to see them live their life on a daily basis. Like, there has to be plots to episodes. Nobody really wants to just see a day at the office because probably 99 times out of 100, they're going to be boring. They just, every episode is just always the hilarious one that happens, right? With these overarching themes. Um, So if you literally just had a normal, like, if you just followed me around at work for a day, And made that an episode that would be, you know what I mean? Like, unless something. Well,
1: I think, I think to your point, because they probably wouldn't do an episode where they just are like, well, we have a new shipment of paper in today. Right. Nothing's wrong with it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know. So there's that standpoint of like maintaining your level of interest, like an intrigue, you know, not that they have to be all be cliffhangers, Mm -hmm. but there has to be something, you know, responsive and interactive about that particular episode um, even if it's not a season finale or something you know like something Mm -hmm. like that with these over you know arcing themes throughout and and I think at some point it's just hard to continue to do that Uh, yeah
1: I think that's what it is it must just be sort of like running out of material yeah you know like what Seinfeld was famously was not having uh, plot arcs, like from episode to episode. It was a show right? a literally it was, about nothing. It was, it was completely self-contained within the episode. And then the episode ended and you did the same thing again next week with a different story. And when you look at some of the more modern ones, you know, even the office, they, they establish that romantic tension between Jim and Pam extremely quickly. And that is your sort of episode to episode plot arc while there's these little self-contained stories going on, but then you exhaust that tension. Right. You, you know, you get Pam and Jim together and now you don't have a, a uh, an episode to episode plot arc anymore. You need to make a new one. You know, same with Superstore. You know, they establish that tension between Jonah and Amy very quickly and then they exhaust. It. You know, what can they do uh, after that? There's only so many ways they can self-contain that joke. You see it in Parks and Rec. They completely needed to add two brand new, extremely major characters in Uh, Ben Wyatt and Chris Traeger, just to keep that flow going. So I think you're right. I mean, it must just be they run out of ways to make it funny, self-contained. And so then they need to escape the box. But I almost feel sometimes like they write the show not expecting to be successful. So then they get like two or three seasons in and they've like written all their jokes. And then they're like, well, shit, I guess we have to keep writing for a few more seasons, you know, and then they have to escape the box and make it something different.
0: Well, I think the challenge there, like, you, so you mentioned um, the Ben Wyatt, Chris Traeger, um, like, intro into Parks and Rec. That only works if they do it well. Mm, do you know what mm. I mean? Like, I think what, and where you mentioned The Office, like, where The Office really suffered, I think, is when Steve Carell left. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because for me, it's unwatchable because after he leaves.
0: everybody that tries to that they try to fill that void with um i think fails miserably um and i don't think that's anything like against will ferrell as an actor um he just it was it wasn't good i don't watch the d'angelo russell um or uh episodes because i just i just don't bother um you know uh, like they brought in um you know uh, James Spader, who I really like. Um, like the Robert California, um, like character is funny. Um, but like I think overall, I think everything post Steve Carell is kind of uh, it's. I don't know. It's a string yeah. along. Um, and totally, it's, totally. But but that's not to say. In my opinion, I I watch it episode one all the way straight through every time. So I watch the later seasons all the time. I still think there's a lot of hilariously funny material throughout. Um, but what I think are the best episodes by far is really season two through five, right? Like in that standpoint, um, and realistically, just because of the way that the characters interact with each other, you start to change all of the characters. So, you know, in the office, they bring in the interns. So, uh, uh, Pete and Clark, um, uh, what is it, Jim Jr.? No, Plop Plop, and uh, I'm blanking on what they call the other guy. Anyway, um, so they bring them in, you know, when uh, Aaron Hannigan comes in as the new receptionist, yeah, you know, yeah. like all like, so like if certain people work really well, so I think the Aaron Hannigan Kahler works just because of how good an actress she is and how she fits in there. But when you start to add, You have to make sure that it's not like necessarily a seamless transition, but it's got to be almost a seamless transition. Whereas, you know, Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt fit the story and their characters and personalities fit the mold really well. They Hmm. kind of just like, yeah, there's a little blip, but then it just keeps going. Um, Whereas opposed to like, I feel like of all of them, and I'm sure I can be called out. For a different reason, but I think the 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 biggest like full stop, like this is a different show was the office when Steve Carell left. Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he, I mean goodness we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but The Office I think in many ways will be defined like will be the single most defining sitcom of its era. Sure. You know it was probably the first famous mockumentary one right it predated the success of Parks and Rec or Modern Family Steve Carell was already a major established actor at that point whereas you look at Community, Modern Family Parks and Rec like even Amy Poehler was probably not as well established in comedy circles as Steve Carell was at that time. I mean he was a major major, major actor. And he defined the show, right? I mean, so I mean, he is just one of the most classic uh, characters of all time. Um, And, uh, and so when he left, it was just a different show. And that's what makes me wonder, you know, I read a study once that said one of the reasons we like rewatching sitcoms is that they uh, mentally, psychologically, we start to see them as friends, you know, like as uh, not friends, like, I'll be there for you. But friends, like, you know, uh, members of our of our of our home, almost. And that change, the changes that the style undergoes, that the humor undergoes, you know, none of us like change, even within our family. You know, if it meant if one of our family members moved away and we couldn't see them anymore, if the conversation around the dinner table all of a sudden was different compared to what it was a year ago, it would it would be difficult for us to take. And I wonder if this, it's not that the sitcoms get worse in any way, you know, objectively, maybe they even get better. But we see them differently. That comfort and routine is gone.
0: Well, and I think something to be said about like obviously sitcoms for the most part, their goal is to in a hilarious way represent real life. Mm. But I think what a lot of them fail to do is, um, and this, I mean, it makes sense. I'm not saying this is a quote unquote intentional failure on their part, but the like randomness of life that happens, you know, like you said, people who move away or random, you know, things that happen, there's a lot less quote unquote randomness to them Um, where in, you know, in our lives, um, like I'm just trying to think of, you know, randomly, you know, there's, there's always turnover in a job, right? Like there's people who quit, who retire, who move away, who's, you know, family go, you know, this place and that. And so, right. But if you like, look at the office for the first like five years or even parks and rec, like, you know I mean? They're all the same. Right. 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 And so it's, it's one of those where there's a lot less randomness even though they try to make things seem random it's a lot less random than life truly is Mm. um whereas if it was really subscribed like if you could imagine just like throughout the first like three seasons now that being said, I mean, I know there's a couple people in the office who quit and when Stanford and them, you know, go together, you know, that type of thing, yeah. like, literally uh, literally
1: only one person from Stanford stays. stays. So <laughs>
0: yeah. like, Twice. yes, like, you know, uh, like, so Rash- Rashida Jones characters quits. And after the whole Jim and Pam, like, so there is a little bit of that, but that all seems a little too contrived compared to the true, like randomness, I think of life, right. if that makes right. sense. Um, Another thing that you have to just like keep in mind is just like I think a lot of these shows and the story arcs. I mean, they have finite time periods. Hmm. So how do you keep a show going? So I mean, our arguably our favorite community. Yep. Like classic example. Classic yep. example. It's a four-year degree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
0: once they stop being students, what's What's the connection to the show? They try to bring Jeff back as a teacher, you know, this whole like, you know, they're all going to work for this. Like, and you're like, you're just hanging on. And like, yeah. I definitely watched it, you know, because I was like, I love the characters. I'm stuck with them, you know, and that type of thing. But, you know, they, it, they didn't have really the foundation left.
1: Yeah, and then on top of that, the style of show changed, the showrunner changed, the the humor changed. Two of the major characters left. So I mean, Community had that kind of like quadruple whammy. Well, they together, also had Dan, you know? Dan
0: Harmon who left, exactly, and yeah, then came absolutely. back, right? Like, so they yeah, had yeah. they had that part way through. They were basically had like a completely different writers group for season three or four, maybe both. Um, yeah. You know, um, so that was. That, that's a completely different thing, too. And also just the kind of aspect of – so then, of course, you think about Schitt's Creek. I'll go back to that one for a minute, which is the whole basis of the show is them trying to get out of the town, right? right? Like they're right. these really rich people that the, the as soon as they possibly can, they want to get out. But then, of course, you know, they fall in love with the place and this, you know, uh, you know, character development. Oh, I'm not snobby and rich. I actually have, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so great. So all that happens. But they're still marching towards the inevitable. Right. right? Which is they're going to leave for whatever the reasons happen to be. They might not be the same reasons when the show started, but they're 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 different now. But they can't. You can't march that to a halt and just keep them there forever but then you're also not going to have a show and this is where I think this is why they ended it is because you're not going to have a show where um, you know Johnny moves to New York or Alexis moves to here and David State like you're not going to have that yeah, show yeah. which is kind of what Arrested Development did right like they had the show pretty much where it was just like each episode it was it season five maybe where each episode was like based around a particular character you know what I mean yeah
1: it was it, when they brought it back season brought four it, yeah, yeah yeah, exactly They and they did two releases So the first release, which is centered, each episode centered around a character, and then people were like, this is dumb. And then they, they re-spliced it all together, kind of like a traditional, the traditional. And it was, and it was, it
0: was very clear because all those actors were off doing their own thing and they had to, you know, and they had, they had to film it the way that they, that they could. Right. Um, One of my favorite, like, just like quick comments within a show um that is like clear that the show like runner and the show like plot is changing is when uh andy dwyer is in uh england with the uh lord uh you know whatever and uh they just like it's this is after he's done guardians and he's basically just like yeah i just like stopped drinking beer and i lost like 50 pounds (laughs) and they just and they don't they don't mention it else because otherwise all of a sudden andy dwyer is ripped like as opposed to this like whatever like yeah yeah. and they just like that's all they mention of it and like that to me was perfect like this is really but this is like really quick like yeah I just stopped drinking beer and I lost like 50 pounds and that's all they address with the fact that Andy (laughs) is now just Star-Lord but just wearing like a Dwight Schrute outfit basically yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. they make a few they make I think another reference to like I I might go save the galaxy or something too when he uh, when he gets that job for the first time so they did they did a great job tying that in another example of a of someone who kind of was not super famous at the time that they took that role and then were just launched to stardom over the course of that. So um, I think this is a good place to end it. You know, uh, Christian, we've been chatting for a long time. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to wrap things up with a new uh, a new feature here on the dad joke loading podcast. So as always, as Christian has said, hit us up via email, dad joke loading at gmail.com or at dad joke loading on Twitter. Um did I get that right?
0: It's Christian? at Loading Dad on Twitter. Ah, shit. But Dad joke Loading <laughs> podcast
1: podcast on-, on Instagram. Yes, nailed it. Man, I'm just getting this Keep that in. Keep that in. Um, Well, we'll take a break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, he's Christian, and we're going to close things out here with a new segment inspired by one of our mutually favorite things. Welcome to Jeopardad. So Jeopardad, of course, is inspired by one of the best television shows of all time, Jeopardy. And this is a quiz. So Christian, we've been talking about TV this entire time. Are you ready to get your quiz on?
0: I was born, Quizzy. (laughs) Um,
1: So this is a bit of a different episode, or uh, sorry, different recurring segment, my apologies. Um, It honestly started with something just very specific um, that we were talking about before, which is crossovers between our favorite TV shows. And so I challenged Christian at the start of this episode, I asked him uh, off air right before we hit record, um, if he could name uh, as many actors as possible who have been on both Parks and Recreation and Community. I'd say for both of us, those are two of our top, I'm going to say four favorite shows, because I get Arrested Development in there, you put The Office in there, but we both really love these two shows. So we wanted, I wanted to know how many crossovers there were. It wasn't fair to ask Christian just right off the hop and see how many he could get in like 10 seconds. So he's been kind of cooking on it for about 45 minutes. So, actually, I don't even know how long we've been recording. More than 45 minutes, that's for sure. But we're going to do a little bit of a game here, Christian. Okay. So, as many as you can name, just, just sight unseen, as many as you can name right now, you'll get 10 points. All right? Okay. Then after that, for as many as we need after that, which may be a lot because these are fairly obscure, I'm going to give you a character that they were in one show. Okay. And if you give me the character that they were in the other show, you'll get five points. Okay. Okay, And if I have to lead you along until I've given you the actor's name, one character, and I've described the other character, and then you get it, that's one point. Okay. Okay? All right. All right. So, as far as my uh, extensive research has gone, I, I dug up ten characters. Ten? Ten actors oh my who have been characters on both. Okay. Now, for the most part, like, you know these shows well enough that I think you'll recognize almost everything every single character except for maybe one or two. Okay. Okay. Um, As best as I could tell, I think only three of them, three of the actors were in multiple episodes uh, of, of what, excuse me, of one of the shows.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So the rest of them were like bit characters for one episode here or there, but three of them were in, as far as I can tell, multiple episodes of at least one of the shows. Okay. Okay. So Christian of these 10, are there any that you can name right now?
0: Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is Nick Kroll, um, and Nick Kroll played um, the douche on Parks and Rec, um, but then also played um, uh, I'm like the uh, the German um, uh, foosball player. Um, so uh, now I'm blanking on his name, but... Uh, you nailed it, my yeah. friend.
1: That is 10 points for Nick Kroll. You are 100% right. Um, so he was the douche on Parks and Rec. Uh, and yeah, I didn't know his his name either. Um, and I had to look up his uh, character's name in, in the episode where he plays the foosball player. It's Jürgen. So Juergen... Of course it is. is Jürgen and the douche. All right, my friend. Any of the other 10, can you name?
0: Okay, uh... So it's been really actually hard because I've been trying to, like, think of them while we've been recording the episode. So I've been trying to actually, you know, focus on the episode (laughs) while also trying to think of something else. Honestly, the only one I can potentially think of, and I'm not sure if it's right, is the bully who challenges Jeff to the fight in the courtyard when he staples the snowman to his head. Mm, Um, Yes. is, Is he the same guy that does the disaster relief response?
1: Oh man. Okay. Okay. Amazing. No, oh, he's not it. the same person, but the guy that plays Leonard from the emergency response episode in Parks and Rec is in an episode of Community. Who is he then? Okay. So, the actor's name is Matt Walsh. Yeah. Um I'll give you I'll give you a line that he says, okay? Okay. It's supposed to be a maze. Oh, he's the. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Joshua's a racist. Joshua. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. yeah. It's- I have in my notes Joshua and then in brackets trampoline racist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some people are just born natural jumpers.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you nailed it. Matt Walsh. Uh, I'm going to give you five points for that one. That's uh, fair. Yeah, that's fair. OK, uh, so continue on, my friend. We should as well, we should ask Ryan to get a, a solid sound effect in here for correct answers, like a ding, 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 or something like that. It'd be amazing.
0: Uh, I'm honestly at a loss for anybody else. I'm I'm trying to think if, like, Jeremy Jam is, like, in community at all. I don't think that he is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I I can't think of anybody else. So, well, this is
1: good. So let's rock over to the, uh, the, the second uh, point category here. So I'm going to give you one character that this actor has played and you give me their character in the other one. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, an episode that you had mentioned that, that we were talking about off air right before this started was the, um, insane asylum episode right of uh, community do you remember who the psychologist psychiatrist is in that episode when britta says don't worry i'm a licensed psychology student
0: yes yeah okay um i can't remember the character's name but he comes on in parks and rec and is the um the eagleton version of thought for your thoughts <laughs> Um, yeah and i'm blanking on that i can see him now because you're right yeah he's the guy that they hire as the fake psychologist to pretend that they're all crazy and then he comes on as the eagletonian for thought for your thoughts who has a uh, apologies for our outburst um <laughs> with with the pawnee thought for your thoughts yeah okay you nailed
1: it absolutely five points that is john hodgman And he is August Clementine. August Clementine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Amazing. All right. So next up, one of my absolute favorites. This guy just kills me every single time. Um, So um, how are we going to do this? So uh, the character that he plays in Community says the line, all right, these paps aren't going to smear themselves.
0: So that's obviously from the STD fair. Catch knowledge. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, he also, he gives Jeff his bad cholesterol results.
0: Oh, that's, um, says, oh, I that's, um, uh, is it Patton Oswalt? Patton Oswalt. Yes. Okay. So it, yeah, in community he plays, uh, cause he's also in, uh, the, he get, when Annie fakes appendicitis, um, yes. to, uh, be with Troy so he plays that character, and then in Parks and Rec, he is Ted, or wants to be known as Ted, in the Decree, where on uh, on that same day every year, he gets thrown into the into the Pawnee River and has the battle with Les- uh, with Leslie Nope about who can live in the 1800s the most. <laughs>
1: absolutely you nailed it five points so he is nurse jackie in community which is just yet another of community's little winks to another tv show yep. which they have just buried throughout and he is garth garth blunden uh who challenges leslie and one of the amazing garth moments is when he's filibustering yeah, yeah. Uh, so that <laughs> he just we open on the marvel universe creates <laughs> a portal to the star wars universe oh so good Patton oswald nailed it i'm impressed that you got the actor's name too All right, so this one's a little bit tough. Um, Boy, how are we going to go about this one? So in Parks and Rec, uh, he plays a character with long hair and a goatee who meets Ron Swanson uh, and Ben Wyatt during their scavenger hunt to meet Leslie in the snow globe museum. And they're checking under snow globes and he's going, wrong one, wrong one. Boy, you're really bad at this. Can you think of the character that he plays in Community?
0: I can see his face, but I can't come up with who he is in Community.
1: Okay. So I'm going to – we'll go down to the one point. So the actor's name is Martin Starr. And in the episode of Community, uh, it's the episode that pits uh, Annie against Annie Kim. Oh, he leads the Model making. UN. You nailed yes. it. Yes. Absolutely. Okay,
0: yeah. You got it. Oh, uh, that Professor,
1: took too long. Professor Clegoris or cligorous either's fine
0: (laughs) okay can i stop really quickly oh nope i thought i had one that i could pull out of my butt but i don't so um so never mind continue
1: all right so um i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a few i think fairly tough ones because alluding to our previous uh segment here they are from the later seasons of community which i think you and i have probably seen like once or twice right so these are pretty tough Um, so I think I'm going to give you the easier character that they are in Parks and Rec. Okay. And then if you can name who they are in Community, I'll be impressed. Okay. But you'll definitely know they're Parks and Rec characters. So, who is the douche's, uh, (laughs) who is the douche's radio partner on Parks and Rec?
0: So, Crazy Ira. Crazy Ira. Um, and he comes in in Community. Huh. Now, nah, I, I don't think I'm going to pull it out. What episode does he come in?
1: I wouldn't have got it either. Uh, it is from the basic RV repair episode. And he's at the very end as a couple with, interestingly, his real-life wife um, in, that, in that episode um, as they are uh, talking about the RV. So that's a tough one. The actor's name is Matt Besser. And I'm going to give you another really hard one. You'll know the actor really well. Okay. Okay. Um, and But you may or may not know who he is in, in community. So uh, in Parks and Rec, uh, he is famous for asking if he can hunt people and trying to hire Ben Wyatt as he's firing his current accountant in the corner.
0: Oh, so that's, um, yeah, that's uh, Feinstein. Dennis um, Feinstein. Dennis Feinstein. Dennis Feinstein, um, who he's on the league, right? He is on the okay, league. So yep, he's Rafi absolutely. on the league. Yep, um, nailed it. But who the heck does he play in community? What season is it?
1: It is the fifth season.
0: Okay, so he comes in and... Which episode is it?
1: Mm, I actually did not write down the name of the episode. It is the one where he is an improv coach.
0: No, I don't think I would have got that one.
1: Character's name, Matt Lundergaard. And the actor's name, Jason Manzoukas.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would have. He was on Community?
1: Rafi, I know. It's those later episodes of Community. I'm telling
0: I'm you. I'm going to have to go back and watch that.
1: All right. So we've got, uh, let's see. We've got one, two, three left. Okay. Okay. Uh, One of them is, I think, a fairly major character in both shows, I would say. Um, One of them uh, has recurring episodes in in one of the shows. Um, The other one's really hard. So I'm going to do the really hard one first. Okay. Okay. Um, Fuck. I don't even think, I mean, I don't even know how to describe this one. Okay, so the character that he plays in Community is when Troy and uh, Shirley are taking the how-to-be-a-gym-teacher class, okay. and they have to teach Chang, and he's the gym teacher to the gym teachers. Okay, I, um, I can see his, that his guy's face. Chapman.
0: I can see his face.
1: So the actor's name is Ian Roberts— and in Parks and Rec, he is a recurring member of the community who in their, um, you know, like town hall meetings, okay. yeah, asks like, I think he's in five different episodes asking questions, but very, very minor character. Okay. So we'll just leave that one. This, these ones are definitely possible.
0: Okay. okay? All right.
1: So um, this, uh, this actor um, in Parks and Rec plays the father of Ben Wyatt.
0: Oh my gosh yeah um uh is it uh, is his name Steve I don't remember his name but he Yeah you got but it but he it, brings he brings his new girlfriend who's like the um uh who's pregnant You're
1: quite younger yes quite a bit quite a younger. bit younger
0: who's <laughs> pregnant and then there's no room for her on the family quilt that leslie <laughs> dope has, has made he then becomes in community the professor that jeff yeah. meets and shares an office with who draws ducks for cartoons um but then ends up joining the group um i'm blanking on his name in the show okay. but i can later see him right there yeah
1: again a later community season buzz hickey um, buzz well hickey done. yeah that's yeah it. <laughs> get five points for that one Very Very well done. Jonathan Banks is the actor's name. All right. Last one, my friend. Um, So this uh, actor was a major character on a different sitcom called Workaholics. Don't know if you've seen that one. Um, And in Parks and Rec... um, Actually, no, I'm going to give you who he is in Community and you can tell me who he is in Parks and Rec. Uh, So in Community, in the Celebrity Impressions episode where everyone is telling Jeff that he looks like Ryan Seacrest and Pierce shows up and says he's Burt Reynolds and nobody believes that he's Burt Reynolds. And then he leaves, takes his mustache off, comes back and says, "Uh, Fat Brando. So he's the guy with the long hair and the mustache who goes, oh, yeah, Fat Brando. I can totally see it.
0: I was really hoping you were just going to say, like, you know, French Stewart or something like that was actually on, <laughs> commu- on Parks and Rec because, uh, I, yeah, amazing. I can see his face, but.
1: Um, so
0: another thing that he
1: does is um, this. At one point, he looks at Ben Wyatt and says, you are the architect.
0: Oh, okay, so he's the guy that uh, uh, runs Grizzle.
1: Here's Grizzle CEO. Yeah, Grizzle
0: CEO. You yeah, there it is. Nailed. Okay, it. Blake
1: Anderson. Well done. Yeah. Five points there. <laughs> so yeah, there we have it. Ten actors who have crossed over from both Community and Parks and Rec. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you're a fan of those shows, obviously, I hope you enjoyed um, that little bit of reminiscing down memory lane as much as Kristen and I do. Judging by the shit-eating grins on both of faces. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us this week. We have had a blast with you in, I believe, uh, what is ultimately a super long episode uh, of the Dad Joke Loading podcast. I am on the dregs of my coffee, so I'm going to go get another one. Christian, I hope you have a good rest of your Saturday, my friend.
0: Uh, you as well. I hope that your uh, your coffee is hot, your to-do list is short, um, and that uh, your TV watching and time with your family is is as pleasant as it can be.
1: And likewise, my friend, well, I'll tell you this house coat is comfy as hell. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us this week. We will see you next week for another episode of the dad joke loading podcast. Hit us up Twitter, Instagram, email. I've said it a billion times. You can just rewind 20 minutes to find it. We'll see you next week on the dad joke loading podcast. Have a good one.